Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 1st, 2014. I get many emails from all over the world, generally from people I've never heard from in fact, who ask me questions. Just all they do is email for questions and answers and, and uh, that's the only time I ever hear from them. But uh, I don't make myself a library uh, for the public because I go into utter poverty altogether. If I just sat here and uh, and did nothing but answer all the emails, on now some of them I will respond to depending on the circumstances, but other ones simply want to know the beginnings of life. It's amazing as things become more and and more advanced in the, in the changes and the speed of change. And I use advances with caution, of course. But uh, we find that people retreat into the past. They find a cause and co- a common cause for all of this, you see. And these same people generally don't understand the present. The present is bewildering to them. It's frightening to them because we are in an era of planned change, massive across the board in every facet of endeavor. It's planned change. And this is done by people called technocrats. And I'll go into that later, perhaps. But it was just going through my head today. These thoughts were passing. That It's amazing how people keep asking the same questions when they have no idea of the present and what's really happening, why the things are happening, why they're reacting to, and the way they react to all the changes, the planned changes. And we are in a constant motion of planned change. And we've been that way for an awful long time. It really came to uh, its, its explosive power, you might say, during the, during the Industrial Revolution, through machinery, and then the adaptation of people to machines for e- the economy. And the whole class structure, of course, was based around that too. Uh, it, it kind of broke away to an extent from the old feudal system, where you were simply a serf and you knew it. And serfdom was common and normal for the people. They didn't complain because the grandparents had been the same way before them. It's the way things were. And at one time, uh, we've got to remember too, when there rebellions, they want to put in a, an old deposed king and, and remove the present one, the interloper. Uh, it, it was because the only concept they had of being ruled was exactly that, being ruled by a king. Democracy hadn't been uh, taught to them in any possible shape or form. So they were limited in their thinking. And nothing has really changed today. People are still very limited in the way they think because they're purposely kept in the dark. There are many reasons why they're kept in the dark, of course. And power never shares all of its knowledge to the general public, never, ever. In any field whatsoever, any field, and especially those fields, I'd say, where it's imperative to keep the public in the dark because the public are constantly being indoctrinated for the next stage of the of what they think is the, the present era, the next stage, the next stage, because the future is always planned by technocrats. Uh, in, for your education, all the way through your life, you're constantly adapting and being taught to adapt because you see it through fiction and many other ways too, that adaptation is normal. The Darwinian theory, uh, adapt or die, basically. And those people who think it's something to do with the beginnings of mankind are reacting to the present as opposed to understanding the present. 
their idea of history and social history is awfully sketchy indeed. It generally comes from uh, television or even movies uh, where they think there were still free peoples a long time ago who uh, lived in, and read philosophy or something under trees. Nothing was further from the truth because we've always lived in a system where men are born that really seek power, uh, men who, who go beyond the normal social confines and restraint of power. They want all power. And today it's more acceptable to try and go for the top because it's all part of the present culture. That's why in America especially, uh, Hollywood glorifies the gangster era. The guys who came from the street, they claim there's a lot more too, of course, which they won't tell you. But the fact is, as long as they got rich, it didn't matter how they got rich, because then they're part of the establishment, and their sons go to university, and daughters too, and they're now respectable. So that's the way things really go. Same with all the big families that the U.S. has, because the U.S. was based on a materialistic future. And, of course, everybody went for the, the goal. Very few get to it. Once the people get into power, of course, in certain fields, they monopolize everything to do with their particular special, special field, and they keep everybody else out. So that goes all the way down to free trade today, in fact. Free trade is not free trade. It's not for everybody. It's for the select corporations that are part of the plutocracy that run the U.S. and the world, and Britain and every other country, too. We often hear about the rise of the middle class that came along, along with technological progress, as they call it, which basically was to do with the mechanization of society and industry, etc., where a middle class appeared that was non-merchandising. There were still, of course, the merchants, etc., but the, the non-merchandising classes were more intellectual, uh, men them worked for as accountants and so on, and actually they were the guys who'd write the books on economics, not the guys like the Rothschilds who owned uh, like fortunes across the planet. But actually, employees would uh, would would actually go in and put out the theories of economics, etc. But along with that, you also had other guys who specialised in other areas. Social organisation was part of it too, because people cannot imagine the incredible change of an industrial era from an agricultural society, which was the norm based on a kind of feudalistic type system, and and where land owning was 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 really for the selected few, and everybody else was renting, tenant farmers, as they say. But so therefore, when they they brought in the, the mechanisation, and of course it was helped along by people in the House of Lords, say in England, for example where they passed the corn laws. Lord Rothschild himself put that law forth to allow foreigners to dump foreign grain on the British market to get the farmers off the land and to get them into these newly constructed uh, or run-down uh, cities where the factories were. They crammed them 20 or more in a room sometimes, and it was a hell on earth, literally, as they worked 16 hours a day. That was the normal. And uh, there, was, there was no relief. You generally died pretty young. You were, you were kept on subsistence wages because it was a time of laissez-faire capitalism too, where it wasn't their problem. Getting the profit was their problem, but it wasn't the problem of the bosses and the owners to, to do any social justice whatsoever. And people were plentiful, just as they're plentiful today in China, 
and uh, human life uh, was devalued extremely. That was also the beginnings of the nail in the coffin for religions, for Christianity and so on too, as people lived amongst this mass squalor and intelligentsia, the rising intelligentsia, they were employed in this area of management, grew and grew and grew. They became colder themselves as they studied societies uh, with a very impersonal flavor. Now remember that people hadn't been geared in their makeup, in their history, their genetic makeup, even genetic history, of how to cope with an artificial, a very artificial system. Uh, an analogy, in fact, I often think about is if you live in the country as I do, sometimes you'll find a deer coming onto the roads in your headlights and you have to really slow right down and, and even stop. Because I've had experience with deer, sometimes uh, they'll run towards you. You think they're turning away and they'll work, run towards you because there's nowhere in their genetic makeup that's prepared them for this weird, massive light in the middle of night. It's not in their ken, in their knowledge, and they can't draw on how to deal with it. So they can run in any direction, and that's the problem with it. Well, mankind is the same too. We don't have the makeup when the industrial year came along to cope with all the massive changes that it brought with it. And people began to be treated the same way by the technocrats of the day, those who studied time and motion, as they called it, for efficiency and tried to make more people more efficient. The the people had nothing in their ken how to cope with these massive changes, massive changes. Therefore, when compare that experience, for instance, that understanding with the Industrial Revolution, millions of people were suddenly thrust off the land to to feed the factories like any material would feed the factories, like raw ore, to go into metals and so on. And the public and the people were just the same. That's what they were, raw material to feed the factories. There was nothing humane about it in any way at all. And all the old concepts of even local community uh, were out the window because you're crammed together with other millions of people in these massive cities and uh, living in squalor often. And people didn't have enough left for themselves to help feed their neighbors if times went bad, never mind themselves. All the old rules were cast off. The key to technological progress, as it's called, is that everything has to be efficient. That's the whole key of technology and even the technological society, you might say, that we're living in. It's, all, it's on the go now. It's here permanently in many ways, including the electronic fields too, of course. But it brings massive change to which you're unprepared because everything that's the normal will change in the system in which you live. Everything. And you find during the late 1800s, for instance, education started to come in for the peasantry, and they were still called peasants, quite openly in all the old books, by the elites who ruled their countries and owned the factories, decided which wars were going to fight and how they were going to profit using their own factories. All of that kind of thing comes into it. And you find, too, that they hired people who'd come up in the middle classes, as I say, non-merchandising people especially, who were taught uh, to be intellectuals, to study things dispassionately, 
and come to the conclusions to make things more efficient. How to make things more efficient. That was so important. So important. And it hasn't changed to this present time. In fact, it's worse as we know because we're looked upon by governments as the mass. We're completely impersonalized to them. You're not a human being as such, or a statistic, a social insurance number, uh, and they instantly categorize you the way that they do categorize you, and they think of you too as your age, gender, fitness, health, all these things to do with your, your, your ability to perform and produce and consume, etc. That's how we're basically uh, works out today. Your, your earning capacity, your tax-paying capacity to keep the same system going. And the elites never want to lose power naturally. They never, ever, ever do. They don't wait for things to happen. They plan for the future. That's where they hire the futurists too. They take all the present trends where things are going and they go off into tangents of the future. How could possibly go? How would negative things could happen to, to, that would make the power structure lose its, its control and how to avoid that happening? So they plan the future and the culture and an education system too. And that's why, really, they gave education, uh, basic education, very minimalistic to the general people in the 1800s onwards, because to ensure, they had to ensure they'd have the right concept, what their, what their owners wanted them to believe, the concept of the country and the system they were part of. At least, and they were taught that they were part of it, much bigger part than they actually were, of course. Because power never shares itself. And it doesn't ever intend to. Uh, and forget the panacea they give you, the placebo of democracy is a cover, of course. Because the minority group at the top have always ruled and they intend to keep on going down through the future. So therefore, technocrats are very, very important to those who control. That's why they have specialized fields and management of all kinds. Teachers today are, as they call them, change agents. Their job is to indoctrinate the intake of fresh students and give them the proper, the proper concept, or in other words, the authorized concept of, of how the world is and how they have to see their world and view their world and feel that they're part of it. And that helps them to stay in the box and have a form of sanity but in, but in reality, it's very unreal as to true reality to serve the elite, you see. Never, never been any different. And other areas of special uh, technocr- uh, technocrats are the Kissingers, Brzezinski's, and many more like them that are churned out of specific uh, universities, picked up very young, and given further indoctrination into the sciences of managing the public and geopolitical warfare, future planning strategies for raw resources and so on, for the big corporations that really wield the power, especially in this day and age. For this talk too, I'll liken this to altering society into a machine, a smooth, well-oiled working machine, of efficiency. That's what happens with technology. Everything is transformed into a machine. Think as well about the depersonalization of society as they're pushed and trained and prodded and nudged, as they like to say. The neuroscientists love like the word nudge. 
to, to make our, what we think are our decisions. But people do uh, follow these nudges without thinking why they're following someone else's prompt. They're being prompted. And of course you're being led and guided by those who want to keep power, to ensure society is safe for those who rule, and to guard against this uh, terrible, terrible thing that they have at the top, uh, where anything outside their system they call anarchy. They don't want anarchy to arise, meaning the loss of their power completely. And they always say that it will degenerate into barbarism, etc., etc. That's why they're so megalomaniacal to try and control the future always. And they, they really do, by the indoctrination. The child of, say, 1960 has a different indoctrination from the child of today at school. Vastly different. The ones today are taught that they are on the cutting edge of all knowledge, which is a big lie. But most folk believe the lie, and because of that they can't figure things out. They really believe, they'd be told about nefarious things going on that will affect them personally by the media that does their thinking and their reasoning for them, as Brzezinski touched on. Social technocrats, therefore, have a, have a very important job, and that's to smooth out transitions and adaptations to this mechanization of all aspects of society through technique. That's its role. And does it very, very well. It gives you things that come out of mechanization, and even today it's robotics, of course, which produce all of the uh, electric toys that keep you amused and give, and again, through entertainment and so on, reinforce the idea of a unified society all working together towards some vague idea. And that's as far as you can go with it, the vague idea, you see. And that's all important. We all work towards the same system. We find, as I say, depersonalization comes in when we're all crammed together in these big cities to feed either factories, which don't exist, they're all in China today, or the electronic uh, communications media that runs all business today since we're service economies, again, planned by people most of you have never heard of a long time ago. All these stages are always planned long in advance, sometimes a lifetime in advance before they implement them. So depersonalization comes in and people feel kind of lost, for instance, very lost. That's why all the self-help groups prop up. The biggest sellers you often find are self-help books and all kinds of areas and problems that at one time really didn't exist because people in your community, your village, whatever, uh, knew were experts themselves, social experts through tradition on how to handle uh, problems and get over them, etc. But today, you're taught to seek professional advice, expert advice. You're trained not to believe anything unless it comes from what's called a sanctioned, licensed expert. There were large meetings in the late 1800s, early 1900s, of factory owners, big, powerful factory owners. Many of them didn't never have visited the factories they owned. They had monopolies over many of them almost like holding companies today. And they employed the specialists to deal with all these things, you see, including employment and worker unrest, etc. All of these things were of concern to the owners and to keep the profits going. So we find 
that uh, they, they were worried at one time when all the social movements were developing because of the massive death rates in these cities of exhausted, fatigued and malnourished workers. Uh, daily, in fact, carts went round not just for plague uh, in later times, in the 1800s, 1900s, they went round to collect the bodies that died in these factory cities. That was the standard normal. And people, as always, adapt and, and accept it. But what choice do you have? That's how they say, what choice do you have? But social unrest was kind of growing. There was no leisure time. And the people wanted leisure. Once the social movements started to get some power, uh, these big elitists got together and they, they published documents, uh, many papers and books about how to control the masses, the, the peasantry, you might say. Uh, how do you control them? If they have leisure, they'll start to talk to each other. They'll start to understand they're being conned, fooled, and treated worse than any animal is treated. And they really uh, were awfully worried about it. That's why they brought the police in, created the police forces and things like that. That was part of the structure, keep the structure going, you see. And the spy systems went out too to ensure uh, that uh, anything that would happen uh, on a rebellious level was nipped in the bud before it started. Thousands of people were employed as spies in their own communities across uh, countries, thousands of them. Sometimes in large cities that have over a thousand to five thousand spies living in the streets amongst neighbors, collecting all the data, gossip, and so on. Today that's made obsolete almost because they have uh, they have the electronic surveillance everywhere. Everyone's using the specific uh, tools they have given you, and you use them uh, and you enjoy them. And you're giving your data daily, updates daily on what you're thinking, doing to what you think of all your friends, all these invisible sock puppets and all the rest of it out there that collect all the data. It's fascinating too, because big meetings were done before you were given the computer as to the effects of the computer. They said it would have the same effect on a massive scale of upheaval as the Industrial Revolution when they give this to the general public. Therefore, they designed all the computers, as you well know now, with back doors in, so government agencies could always monitor you and what you're up to and what you're thinking and talking about, etc. They don't need laws for this, folks. All this stuff about, oh, they've broken the rules. It's all nonsense. Power has never gone by rules. Never. They always break what you think are the rules. Today, you've been trained to think it's quite normal to be spied upon. And that's what the big boys, the technocrats, have said for years. The neurologists and neuroscientists all work together with the behaviorists, etc. How we tick, what makes us think, what makes us come to the conclusions, what makes unrest happen, unrest or, or dissatisfaction. All these people who are there to manage you, that's what they monitor. And of course, it's nipped in the bud. For the, for the few who do. Now, of course, if you come out with anything contrary to the official uh, statements or word on whatever it happens to be in an event, then you're conspiracy theorists. And they have their assassination squads throughout the media. They'll attack you and try and discredit you by all kinds of insulting terms. They have specific hitmen, you might say, on television for that purpose too. Because they know the general population will take the experts 
and a, and a familiar face to see on television take their opinion first as opposed to someone else's whom they don't know. I've read from some of the books in the past on some of these big uh, workers, big, big players in shaping the future. Big players. Guys who helped design shifts through 30, 40 year, 50 year periods in advance of cultural changes. Gender differences, all of these things were all applied step by step incrementally uh, and have all come to pass. There's more to come yet, which they wrote about 60, 70, even 80 years ago. They didn't just write about it, they, they took part with other technocrats, the social managers, and how to implement these, these changes. That's why they, they hire behaviorists en masse, and some, some, some think tanks are actually staffed by them. That's all they do, working on all of us. They know it works, you see. And Bertrand Russell talked about the, the negative things that would destroy your critical thinking abilities, which, of course, he was all in favor of, for a peaceful world, as he called it. And that's what society always says at the top. They want to bring in a peaceful world. Peace to them means the absence of all opposition, critical thought, etc. The compliant society. And he said, too, we could even dumb them down, even alter their, 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 their masculinity by using hormones and so on, and the needle, etc. How do you get folk to take that? He says, they will like it. We can convince them to go along with it. We can conv- Inoculations are good for you. It's good for you. GMO feeds the world. All these slogans you hear feeds the world. Marketing done the proper way, as Bernays said, can overcome anything. The hidden masters, the puppeteers, that are never elected in any kind of government to manage the populace and their thoughts and their direction and opinions. Therefore, getting back to the analogy of the deer, where it's a car's headlights, is not in his genetic makeup, his historical genetic makeup. It's nothing to refer to as to what to do in a situation. The same thing happened in the Industrial Revolution and the chaos and misery it caused, and the same thing today with the electronic revolution, uh, the information age, as they call it, data collection, uh, spying on the public and each of experts. It all alters how society works, how it sees itself. You're trained how to see yourself. Not an accurate way, but in the way those who control it want you to perceive yourself in relation to those around you and the common goals that a country will tell you that it has. But it also makes obsolete even the, the, even the necessity of having what you think of as the country. That's why you're going global, and that's why the big boys a long time ago, before the 20th century, had their big meetings. The top, the top guys who ran the economic system on behalf of their masters, the organizations that still exist today, employed by their employers, to shape society into a future, to make us adapt perhaps into a thing which we perhaps shouldn't adapt into and lose ourselves in the process. In the past, people wanted privacy. They knew too much government intrusion in those days, but it was a brutal kind of intrusion. We find that 
armed soldiers were still going around in the early 1800s, sometimes sent into an area to quell trouble or nip it in the bud, and they go door to door in their uniforms, and nothing could be done to stop it. If trying to stop it, they'd kill you. Then they brought in the police forces, of course. But it's the same thing at, at, at work today. It's the same function today. That's what the police is there for. It's not to serve the general public. It's to serve the system that employs them, which is not owned by the public or directed by the public either, for that matter. Force is force. Coercion today and persuasion takes that place, a lot of that place, that force did. And people want to be the same. They've been trained to all want to be the same, to be accepted by a peer group, have the same opinions as a peer group, and therefore you're okay. I'm okay because they accept me, and we all have the same opinions on everything. Well, the opinions, you're guided to all the opinions that are given in society by those who control the system. Even when you think you're joining the opposition, that's controlled by the same guys who control everything else. Now, parts of using technique and what it must do always is to standardize everything that it touches. That's what's about organization, managing organization, planning the future. Standardization is key to everything. As I say, that began really with uh, what you saw, uh, or we can read in the history books, of the onset of the Industrial Revolution. Everything was standardized. That's when people became the mass, and the masses, as they called it, for the first time. So we are standardized to suit a system, always, uh, that's planned by others way above you, by the so-called experts who run and guide society. The new priesthood, really. Because technique, you'll find, standardizes everything and changes culture and so on. It's basically, is autonomous. It becomes a thing unto itself and becomes more and more dispassionate when it's dealing with larger volumes of people, not just nations, but blocks of nations, like trading blocks, all this. Everything becomes standardized. Everyone's given a role, a purpose, an SIN number, and uh, you're, you're labeled according to your economic status, etc., etc. We find, too, that eugenicists are in their big time, or bioethics associations, they call them today. And these bioethics uh, so-called specialists or district eugenicists uh, have us all categorized as their outputs for society and how much we can produce in our lifetime. Government bureaucracies also deal with the tax income that you'll they'll get from you in your, in your lifetime. They work out way in advance according to what they plan to have in their coffers in 40, 50 years' time. That's how precise all of this is. Now, as we progress down this path, and others, of course, who are all for it, see up this path, regardless... As we go along this path, we, we become depersonalized, as I say, and we, we standardize as well, all of us. Therefore, critical thinking and those with critical thinking become fewer and fewer, and what they have to say is ignored by those who are conditioned, more perfectly conditioned, 
so therefore their voices become much, much weaker. We live in a day where we want everyone to be the same as ourselves. I used to be astonished, for instance, at people who were completely ignorant of the system in which they lived. Really ignorance. They they'd bought the world as, as it was portrayed and indoctrinated into them from schooling onwards. They bought that version. And when someone, for instance, in a union got more money, they'd decry those people because they were envious of them. That's the reason for it. Why should they get that kind of money when I only get this? They didn't see the structure above everything. And the fact that the unions themselves came out of basically technological solutions of organization that enabled those folk to get more money. And rather than question the whole system that keeps you in poverty at the bottom, they'd rather blame those who get a bit more money, which of course suits the elite awfully well. You end up fighting at the bottom levels with each other. The elite also talks about giving work to everyone, but they meant a minimum wage type of work across whole countries. Eventually they changed their minds about it because they realized that creative people would not be happy been stuck in a fixed rigid system where they couldn't get ahead financially or otherwise. And that's why communism was a big test bed for it too, to see if you could give a minimum wage to everyone across the country, basic necessities, etc. And of course, no one really worked hard. Everyone pretended to work and the state would pretend to pay you. That was the big joke that they had over there. No one cared about, there's no pride involved in whatever you did. So the goods were shoddy, etc., inefficiency. So the big boys looked at that, of course, and they learned the lessons from the Soviets as they watched them carefully and studied them carefully. And they decided that this, rather than do the same in the West, keep them on a fixed minimum wage, the bulk of the population, that is, uh, they, they would bring in a welfare state and have a good majority of the public or a, or a particular... It used to be minorities, now it's going to, to be half and half of folk on welfare or, or government recipients, wage recipients, of some kind of government money, which is all tax money anyway. And the rest pay for it, you see. It stops the revolutions, as you say. And it's true, too, as it was often pointed out by the elite of today, that even the poorest people in some countries, a few countries, very few, have basic material goods that stop revolution. Some of them have free cell phones and free cable for internet and all this kind of thing. Lots of entertainment. Things to pass their time where they're not thinking for themselves. Because psychology is used incredibly well through entertainment media and all kinds of media today, in fact. Keeps you occupied with someone else's thoughts or views rather than your own. And of course, two studies were done, as I say, studying the Soviet system. They said eventually the whole idea of a communist revolution would be obsolete. When the, the understand the premise of communism came out of partly two in reaction to the heavy industrial revolution and dispossession uh, of many of the people who, who lost little farms, little small holdings, uh, traditional places and so on, and their landlords who owned many of the big massive areas of farming land in Europe uh, sold it off for other purposes and they had to move into the, the cities, etc., to work in factories. So that was a reaction to it partially, and uh, 
today uh, that has been made pretty well. Straightforward revolution is pretty well obsolete. And what you might have in the future in the big boys' plate, always plan way in advance, is when the economy goes down the hill as they bring in globalization and your tax money is going abroad to build factories for the international corporations that have set up across the world and you'll be getting poorer and poorer and poorer, uh, they can stop uh, rebellions and so on so easily by the massive internal army structure they've built up over a long period of time, many, many, many years, 20, 30 years in preparation for all of this. So you have occasional spontaneous riots like you've seen in England, where they go looting through the stores and so on, but you won't get organization. You won't get two people agreeing why they're even rebelling. You see, this complete dissatisfaction. Many many of them can't uh, actually verbalize why they're rebelling. Now, power in the past was controlled to an extent by the geographical areas of the world, often separated through jungles and sea travel was dangerous at times too. So you couldn't get uh, in the communication system we have today, certainly didn't exist, obviously. So therefore, people had to travel to countries and study peoples, etc. And the big boys would send out their emissaries to exploit ores and minerals and metals and all the rest of it to make themselves richer, etc. But the they looked at the different civilizations which coexisted. Some were labeled primitive or arrested civilizations, as our progressive system likes to call them. A so-called arrested or primitive society doesn't have this technologic and technocratic type of system running their lives for them. Things are very basic. Uh, they're, they're historical, they travelled up from generation into time uh, immemorial, generation to generation, and they're unchanging. Therefore, this is a curity in the knowledge of what you're doing is tradition. In today's global society, the idea is to standardise the world. As I said, the technocratic type of society has to standardise everything, like the machine. Everything is standardized towards the system. Hence the massive push by the technocrats in the so-called first world countries to ensure that no child is left behind and every child must have a computer worldwide or a cell phone or whatever it is and they're popping up cell towers across the world to ensure through all of these means, of course, they're giving them to standardize the cultures, the peoples, the thoughts and their idea of culture and the past, their idea of what it is to, to exist, why are you existing, to give them a new vision, which is not theirs, of their future. The so-called primitive societies often don't have words in their vocabulary for work or labor. They do what they do. Basic survival. They only work enough to support themselves. They don't see hunting as work necessarily. And they, they are generally very happy people. But they've not to exist in that form in the standardized society we're bringing forth, of course. Now, part of getting people to go along with a new technique or a direction of a technique, which already exists, the technique that is, is coercion. The idea is to eliminate choices. 
and narrow the choices a person can take or make. And, of course, it's done in so many different ways, but the idea being you always take the lesser of two evils and you'll avoid the pain as much as possible of making the wrong choices. You go along with the majority of the public, which is approved of by the government, of course, the, the ruling elites, which is not the government really, the government's the front for that which does rule their country. And this is how things are done so easily. You're coerced into making the right decision, as they say. In ancient times, people could escape very easily from any system. Even in ancient Rome, people could go off and become hermits and evade taxes, conscription, all of these things. But to live a, a life which satisfied them, their basic needs were supplied, and they, they lacked for nothing in, in actuality. Today that's becoming more and more difficult. It's not allowed nor approved of, of course, by this massive organizational ability of experts under uh, the technological system. They live under specialists in certain areas to ensure that no one can really escape. It's this choice or that choice it comes down to today. Very few choices are, are actually allowed. From those who rule, this makes sense for their system because they don't want differences in the general population. And times gone by again, you find some cultures were active conquerors, etc., warrior types. Even in Tibet, they had a kind of warrior society. They believed in magic and they were powerful to an extent too. And uh, when they adopted Buddhism, their religion, in other words, they, they, they lost that. They became passive people. So it can work that way very, very well. And the elites take note of all these things, of course, what's worked in the past to make people more passive. And uh, they know how to. That's why they also want to eliminate so many religions. You see, most religions have to be eliminated altogether because differences outside their system frighten them. People who are in power and hold on to power are always afraid of losing that power. They're paranoid, in fact. And you'll find today uh, societies that people could join, like Mennonites and so on, Amish folk, uh, to escape the system and live a simpler life that was more fulfilling and, as they saw it. Their basic needs were supplied for them. There was security in the group because they, they helped each other out to a tremendous extent, even more so than in general society. Uh, of course, that, that's always a threat. Even though they're passive people, they could always one day be a threat. That's how they're viewed from the top. Differences are all threats to the ruling system of establishment. People often think that technology and the technological type of society we live in will always improve things. And that, that business, as it used to be in the 19th century, for instance, will go along as usual. They'd invest in, in, in certain patents, things like that. And progress would come, progress of invention, etc. But the opposite happened. You find that uh, many, many uh, patents are buried 
on purpose because they would force the investors, the owners basically, to, to always retool, to update for the new type of invention, the improvement on whatever it is they're making, and the cost would go up and up and up. So stagnation t- tends to set in. This has been overcome by what we call holding companies. These are massive, wealthy capitalists who invest en masse into a particular area, for instance, and take it all over. Again, monopolization is part of the modern society. Always monopolize, cut out competition, eliminate competition by any and all means possible. And then you have all to yourselves, and then you dictate the prices, etc., etc. But what you find today is the holding companies and those who deal with them, the CEOs of big corporations, are are the, the, the technological managing group for this new system where they can suppress, they can suppress the patents at will and decide through standardization what a particular product across the board will be. That's where all car manufacturers, for instance, that's why your cars all look the same regardless of the makes that are churned out. They all look pretty well the same. This is the style for the years or two years. And they all have the same improvements as they're called, the standardization of things. And, and all of the negative things are standardized, like plastics in the engine compartment, which always melt and crack and all the rest of it, as I'm sure you know. So it impedes progress if you, if you leave it to business completely, but they can get by with big profits if you leave it to an expert managerial class to do the investing en masse, basically, rather than the sole owner of a corporation. The idea of technology being used by technocracy is paramount to understand because it always takes away your freedom of choice, always. Those at the top want, they look at all the, 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 the people, the things that they want themselves, but they want a controlled society. And they do so by limiting, as I say, choices of all kinds. And it's made palatable to, to the public but beneath them where they say, well, we'll have to go along or what else can we do? For instance, the cashless society is one. And all the massive propaganda and marketing that's used on you is used to make you want to go cashless. And it's so convenient. You give away your rights, freedom of choice and so on by for, for, for convenience and saving a few bucks. The convenience cards are dished out at all the grocery stores and every supermarket across the, the world, basically, today. And under the con that you'll get air miles or points or you get something back, you see, or you'll save on certain things that you buy in the store. A very simple thing of saving money, can, can, and you give up certain freedoms and rights because they want all your data. Once they have you uh, on their, in their data banks, they know everyth- everything you're purchasing, what your diet is, everything about you. But you give that up to save a few bucks. You're coerced into it. And those at the bottom level are coerced much quicker than those in the higher, the higher classes. And we also find, too, that there are fewer and fewer bank branches out there to deal with real customers, with real tellers, to work with them. Uh, they want you to certainly use the machines, save money for the, the corporations. And once again, your behavior is being altered. Who do you complain to on the spot? Well, there's nobody on the spot to complain to when something goes wrong. 
And you have a, a devil of a time, of course, going through all the pre-recorded tapes and so on. If you try to phone the given numbers, etc., etc. So it becomes futile, an exercise in futility to even complain. And people accept that. Now, everything I'm talking about tonight in a short talk has been discussed, well discussed, by the big, big think tanks for long, long ago. Because they understand technique. They're all part of technique. And they have technicians in specialized departments that deal with all, all possible areas, economic, social, everything. Everything is interdependent. It affects everything else. But it can't exist, this so-called progress. This is what they mean by progress towards a desired goal and result. And when that goal is achieved and results achieved, they're on to the next part of progress. That's why there are always many new world orders. When the last part's are accomplished, you don't want the next part of the new world order. It's always been made anew. And this is what they call progress. Their planned vision, the very fact they can think it out in advance, shape it along its roots, take into account all the, 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 the alterations in societies it will cause and disturbances too, and then work out in advance the techniques to control those disturbances, to eliminate them and minimize their effects. But it can't exist in a society where people are free. Everyone must be predictable. That's the key of standardization. Predictability. The so-called reign of terrors, I like to call it, this anti-terrorism campaign, and I've read the articles, and you'll find them in cuttingthroughthematrix.com in the archive section. I've given lots of talks about what I'm talking about tonight, too, and the fact that everyone must become predictable, and they can go ahead unimpeded, under the guise of it's for your own safety, take all your freedoms away, spy on you like never before, to find out all about you and ensure that you're predictable. You'll hear all this talk about, oh, the lone gunman, the loneness, the introvert, etc. You understand, in a standardized society, everyone must be completely open and uniform in their character, their behavior, and everything else for safety for those who control the system. It will always standardize everything as it standardizes the automobiles, you're standardized just the same. You have the same opinions on everything. You'll believe everything you're told by the authorities. And if you don't fall into that category, they'll give you the opposition to give you the opposing points as well. And even when real opposition arises, it's completely infiltrated so quickly. People are also bought over very quickly too, I should say, those who appoint themselves as leaders. And they're brought into the system, and all their followers follow them, follow them into it too. But predictability is of paramount importance for this utopia, for those who rule the world, to come into being. The ideal subject to standardize, and the ideal way of telling if a person is standardized is this, that when you talk to them, they don't have much insight into themselves. They're spontaneous, but they don't have insight into themselves. They're not reflective. 
as to why they think this, to why they are this way, and so on. The standardized person, like a bureaucrat, works almost unconsciously through his daily routine, his work, and so on, and as I say, dispassionately, without even thinking that he is dispassionate about all these numbers, which are actually, they represent people, vast amounts of people. He is standardized and adapted to the conditions created by technique alone, you see. The goal, of course, is to standardize and to get everyone to go along in the same direction together without questioning why they're all going along in this particular area or field or or direction together. And they do that by, of course, many other techniques as well that are brought into play. Psychological and behavioral techniques are used incessantly on us all. And through the electronic media especially, and of course they can run beyond that to I've mentioned before, ways of using uh, low current pulses, low low voltage pulses basically, to alter our where our biometric systems actually work. Way ahead in anything they've ever told you about, so admitted it from the top, it's irresistible to governments and uh, who are employed by their big bosses, not the public, uh, to control societies and direct societies. The passive compliant citizen, but who is active at work, is a desirable goal, the predictable worker. And remember, these techniques are always adaptable. When something is working well, they'll push it further. When, it's, when there's a hold up somewhere, they'll, they'll find out the reasons why and fix the problems rather quickly uh, on society. That's how it's all, all done, in fact. It will always give you the illusion of liberty, choice, and individuality. But when you realize that authorized choices are mass choices, they're not individual at all. That's why it's okay to chase the New Age movements and magic and things like that. These are safety valves which are authorized, which never bring you into contact with what's really going on. Because many people understand that something's happening, but they put it down to almost magical reactions to things which are magical in themselves. So by understanding magic, you can fix it for yourself. And that's promoted as well promoted today as, as never before, in fact, as long as it's not an organized religion as such. That's why what we call the New Age gives you all these different kind of choices. And so what's right for one person uh, is not always the same for another. There are variations in what they're really into and what they believe. That's okay, you see. And don't presume that people work on rationality. The big boys understand this perfectly well. That's why the top brains in the world in the fields of neurosciences and behaviorism are employed constantly in massive think tanks, thousands of them across the world, to control you because they understand how you work, how you tick, and how you can persuade the mass man to go along with it. That's why you must create the mass man uniformity. Individuality really must be knocked out of the way. I say the harmless illusions are fine. They're pushed and promoted as safety valves. And it works awfully, awfully well. But make no mistake, everyone is under observation like never before. 
And folk will often say, well, little old me, I've got no consequence to governments and authorities and so on. Oh, yes, you do. Because you might influence something, somebody with an offhand statement one day. You'll never know the consequences, how it might affect that person. Or the young person might hear you and think along a certain tangent and come to conclusions down the road that could become a problem to the authorities. Matsi Tong said he wasn't afraid of armies or guns. He was afraid of someone with a big idea. And remember, those who control are always, always afraid. Always afraid. And they can rationalize the power they wield so easily. The geopoliticians that that plan the wars in advance, sometimes generations in advance, have no conscience. They go to sleep very well at night without thinking, my God, collateral damage is planned and so many thousands will die tonight. Doesn't bother them at all. That's necessity, they call it, necessity. The communists called it historical necessity. They're making history by things which must be done and are horrible, they would say. But that's historical necessity. The same with the geopoliticians for the capitalists. It's just the same. Same techniques, in fact, same technicians, in fact, running the show. The follow-up doesn't matter. It's dealt with. And people die off in generations. We think so short-term with our life. We plan short-term objectives. The elite run in generations, sometimes a hundred years in advance, sometimes more, for different parts of the projects. Well, that's been a short talk tonight, but uh, and scratching the surface of something would take a lot of talks and lectures to give you. But I, I do this because I want those who can understand and have the capacity to understand to to look into these things on a much deeper, deeper level because the way it's going today, we're being turned into forms of machines. That's how we're viewed, of course, predictable machines. And the society that's planned for us all is completely inhumane. Uh, it's the direction put out by those who control technology of all kinds. And... They want to shape us to suit their view of the future as not a natural development or progression. Now from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>